Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Physique Development Podcast, a podcast bringing you structured Q&As, deep dives on a single topic, inside looks at our team, and more. Today's episode is a Q&A. So going through questions that you all have asked and being able to give some answers there, as well as some fun Q&As at the end that Alex is not read yet. So it'd be even more fun. Super fun. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into these questions. Alex. Do you have to bulk as a female? You do need to be in a surplus of calories at some point. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that I think that the the intent of this question was a a large abundance of calories uh, above your maintenance. And what we find with with athletes, especially to maintain hormonal health and also mental health, uh, mental health is going to be a huge component of being able to over time put on a substantial amount of tissue um, as I mean, uh, with with the amount of females that we work with, this is going to be a big piece of it fitting into your your clothes on a regular basis, not going into your closet and being like, well, shit, I don't have a pair of jeans that I can even wear at this weight or what have you. Um, if you wear jeans at all, um, <laughs> it's kind of targeting me with this. Damn. Okay. Um, but no, to answer the question, no, it does not have to be this large abundance of, of, uh, surplus of calories sitting a, a little bit above maintenance, training your ass off, prioritizing your sleep, optimizing hormonal function. That's where we're going to be able to see, um, muscle gain and, and, and really improving overall body composition as a whole. Yeah. And also digestion, making sure that you're not pushing so hard that that digestion is out of whack because then it's not even a benefit to be pushing that much. Uh, next question here is snacking and its impact on your goals. So snacking isn't inherently bad by any means. And there's many times that I'll put together snack meals and I still enjoy my fair share of snacks. But if the question is in regards to like grazing throughout the day, I will say that I discourage clients from doing this just because your stomach does need a rest. It needs time to not be digesting food. Um, and it's something if you're constantly eating and don't give it that time, not only could you be um, not doing muscle protein synthesis, depending on what your snacks are, it can also lead to a host of issues for your digestive system to not have that rest. So um, it can impact your goals. It's not awful, but it just depends on the situation and how you're grazing and what that looks like. But snacks in and of themselves shouldn't impact your goals unless they're over your macros or something like that. Next question is, there anything wrong with a period of being content with progress and where you are at? I would say that this is certainly not wrong. I think that this is a, right. <laughs> a, a, a period of life that I think that we're all wanting to get towards where you're happy with your body composition, you're happy with your training performance, you're happy with your skin health and your energy and your, you know, you're, you're content with all the things, all the different components and you're not trying to change anything. I think that's what we're all trying to work towards. Um, does that fairy tale land exist? I'm not sure, but I think <laughs> that in the context, on, in the context of this question, certainly, I think that there certainly doesn't have to be a constant season of like, are you in a bulk? Are you in a deficit? And there, those are the only two things like you can sit at a maintenance. You can be happy with, and that's something that, that I have done for a while within my uh, training and nutrition is that we haven't been ex excessively over my maintenance. We haven't been excessively below my maintenance. It's been kind of a middle ground of like, dude, train as hard as you can sleep well and, and get all your work done and like have fun. And I, I've, I've had a blast in the, in this little 
you know, time frame of doing this where I'm not having this huge push of like, I need to add as much muscle tissue as soon as possible so that I can get back on stage. It's been extended, you know, do I ever compete again? I don't know. And, but I, I'm thrilled and I've loved training over the past, you know, six months of the, what this situation has been. Yeah, definitely do not need to go either direction. Yeah. I mean, maintenance is a beautiful thing. Uh, next question is how to be consistent. So uh, this is one that um, a little bit just comes from sucking it up and doing it. Uh, I can't give you the magic answer of how to be consistent. It's honestly something that you just do. But I will give you a tip and that's picking one thing and trying to go after that instead of trying to be perfect with absolutely everything. If you have trouble with consistency, focus on one overarching goal and focus on being consistent with that. Um, if you you need to do habit clumping. We've talked about habits in past episodes. Um, that can be very, very helpful for you. Um, but being consistent doesn't just look at fitness and like reaching your fitness goals. It's something that consistency in a person and in an employee as well is just good. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's good to go. So if you are struggling with being consistent, pick one thing and go after it. And if you mess up, don't view that as a failure. It's only a failure if you stay that way instead of getting back up because I'm even, I mean, we both mess up and things that we should be consistent in, but we get back after it and that's what matters. What is the best resource to use for learning? Um, so this is, I mean, it is vast. I think that <laughs> I think that for a lot of people, it needs to be less of Instagram, honestly, because I, I, I encourage anyone who's listening is that even the stuff that I post, please take what I post and research what I post. Like, I don't want to be your gospel in terms of like, is this right or wrong? I want you to, to trust what I'm, I'm putting out because what I'm doing is, or what Sue is doing or what physique development is doing is going to be backed by anecdotal or, or, um, research as a whole. And we, I mean, but I still want you to check those things. I, I want you to learn for yourself. It doesn't need to be. And, and this is unfortunately where we're at is that information is so easily accessible that many people are just kind of like, okay, well, I trust this person and they said it. So it's definitely true. And it's like, but you don't really understand how that's working. And then all of a sudden you're a coach as well. And then you're implementing these very, very complex tactics into place and being like, well, it worked for them. And I, I saw kind of, they talked about an Instagram post, so it should work. <laughs> and it's like, and this is not how this works. So what I encourage you to do is to, um, you know, read research online. I encourage that mass is going to be a fantastic place to start, um, with, they do, uh, they take the research, they break it down. They, they give their synopsis on things. Um, and that's a great place for if, if you're not, familiar with reading research and understanding the, the different terminologies and kind of how to go through and interpret that data. It's a great place to start and get your feet wet with it. Um, N1 education is going to be fantastic as well. If you have a good basis of things, um, I would start with mass and then there's, you know, there's books and things of that nature. I think Lyle McDonald does a good job. He has a couple of, of books that I would recommend. Um, but those would, those would be the two places I would start first. Yeah. And one plug as far as a resource is that co-owner Austin, who's normally on this podcast, um, he has his book that just came out. Um, so that will be something that's available on Amazon and we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. But another great one to add, but definitely agree with Alex there and staying off Instagram and being able to use your use the other knowledge that is available. But the next question here is, do you have to track force first in order to intuitive eat? Now, 
I bet there are plenty of people who have different opinions on this. My opinion is you have to know about food and know about your body in order to be able to intuitive eat. Because let's just take someone, Joe Schmo from Kokomo, and he's never tracked anything in his life. And that's talking about food, sleep, water intake, any of that. To think that that person's body or mind is able to intuitively eat is pretty unrealistic. And so I wouldn't say that you have to be a macro master or anything in order to be able to do intuitive eating or mindful eating, how I would like to phrase it. Um, But it is something that I do believe you have to have an understanding of food, food labels, portion sizes, um, how food reacts, your digestion, water intake, stress, sleep, all of those things in order to be successful in intuitive eating. Yeah. And and this is something that I'm, I'm painfully, both of us are very painfully (laughs) passionate about. And I'll, I'll, my hot take here is that this is not something that a coach is going to teach you. Um, if you're getting into an eight or 12 week course of someone trying to teach you how to intuitive eat, that's just not the case. I think that a coach could give you insight of how to go about it necessarily, but this is something that is, is practice. It is an earned tactic or earned way of going about your nutrition to spend years of, of looking at food and, and understanding, okay, this is how much chicken, like this is how much weight of the chicken is. We were out to dinner last night. Um, and both of us looked at the steak and we were 0.2 ounces off, Yeah, (laughs) you know? So, and, and that, I mean, that comes from years of, of tracking food. Um, you know, for, for my, like Sue is, Sue is probably the, the absolute best person when it comes to macros. And, and, um, you, you put, if I just poured rice, um, onto a table and they were scattered, I think that she would be able to articulate <laughs> how much dry rice that is. And that just comes from practice. I mean, she's looking at it every single day. Um, and, and, you know, mine is, 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 in a similar fashion, but it's going to be in, in terms of years of, of looking at food and understanding the quantities and things of that nature and understanding the values of these foods and how things are prepared at, at um, restaurants. You're not going to learn that from an eight to 12 week course. It's just complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a years, it's a, it's an earned right to be able to do that. Yeah. I I agree as far as it's pretty hard as well as for a coach to teach you that. We do have a video on our YouTube talking about transitioning to intuitive eating if you are coming from macros and that has some tips in it. And that's what Alex is talking about is I don't think that I can specifically tell someone how to be intuitive because how do I tell someone how to or how do I guide someone on how to feel their body if I'm not in their body? Right. And you you can't give them your brain. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as like training program, uh, periodization and things of that nature. Like I can't give you my brain. Like it's going to take practice. Yeah. That's everything. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, Well, I guess this is over to Alex. How to stay motivated if not seeing results? I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I've ever been in the situation where I'm not seeing results. I think that it is a changing of, of, of how you're looking at things. I think that people get too caught up in one or like one or two variables. And it's like, am I, is the scale moving in the direction I desire it to? Are my physique photos improving in the desire, like how I want to. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. If you're looking at your own physique photos every single week, it's going to be really hard to see the change. It's going to be really hard. Even if I can, even if I compare photos of myself of, of a year, it's like, 
I don't see it. But if I show it to Sue or I show it to somebody else, they're like, oh, I see a lot. And they can, you can pinpoint it. If a client sends, if I'm in, we have clients. And then uh, if I see week to week, I can see changes. Day to day, I can see changes. It's it's having the um, understanding, uh, the outside view. I mean, it, the emotional connection that you have to your own physique, you're going to be pessimistic when you're looking at it regardless. I, I don't know very many people who are going to be optimistic in that scenario. But I think that to, you know, outside of those two variables, there's a lot of other things that we can focus on in terms of improvements. You have so much biofeedback, stress, sleep, digestion, all these different things. How are those improving? Well, that's, you know, that's results, right? Um, How's your training going? Uh, How is your energy? How are your relationships with everyone around you? There's so many other moving parts here that it's like, I've never in my, never in my life been like, "Ah, I'm not seeing anything, nothing, nothing is improving. Nothing is getting better or worse. I'm just staying the same. Never in my life has that ever been the case. Yeah. And I guess the one thing with this is like, if it's a scenario of someone asking this that um, has been dealing with hormonal issues and staying motivated in that situation, that's going to be a little bit different. And you do just kind of have to put your head down because it is going to take time. But there are probably going to be metrics that improve along the way, just a little bit slower there. All right. Next question. Um is soreness good or I'm going to, well, in our notes here, it says in good, is soreness good or bread? Is soreness good or bad? Um, <laughs> um, it's and t- bread. It's pretty bad. Bread to me. Yeah, soreness is pretty bread. So soreness is is not necessarily good or bad. It's going to have, you know, if you're in a, a training stimulus for an extended period of time and, and maybe you've been in the stimulus for let's say four or five weeks, and, and you've had a, a pretty similar RIR RPE goal throughout the entire period, and the volume hasn't necessarily changed, and you're getting extremely sore towards the end of that phase, that could potentially be something that you're not you know, seeing the adaptations that are necessary for that training volume or what have you. Um, but it's certainly not an indicator of like a great workout, where um, I think that it would be more of an indicator of like, ah, I, I may have pushed it a little bit too far, you know, depending on the soreness. Like if you're spending the next three to four days, just like in debilitating soreness, I think that you probably pushed it a little too far and probably need to back off your overall volume and have a better understanding of like RPE and RIR and those different factors. Um, how to reduce the risk of cycle dysregulation while dieting? Uh, this is a great question. We could probably do a whole episode on cycle health and period health, and we probably will. So I will just give a few things and Alex will probably cover anything that I miss, but, um, being able to focus on not running somebody into the ground is going to be like the number one thing. If you have a client's overall health in mind, it's probably going to be a lot of the same things as far as being able to have someone's cycle in mind. Um, just because when it comes to a cycle being dysregulated, there is a time that someone might be so lean that their body cannot maintain a cycle. And that is your body's fail safe, basically saying, I can't support a human. Um, that's not something you should definitely, like I've seen girls be like, oh, I can't wait till I lose my cycle. Cause that means I'm lean enough. I've seen girls plenty lean and still keep their cycle. It's different for each person. So please do not use that as a metric. Um, but just keeping your overall health in mind, not bottoming out food, not just using IIFYM to eat junk food, not um, just keeping biofeedback, looking at that biofeedback and making sure something's not going weary. It's something that you have to be proactive about um, instead of reactive, but you might have to be a little reactive as far as that biofeedback on a week to week basis. 
Yep. It's, it's stress, it's sleep, it's nutrient quality as well as nutrient quantity. Um, and then also within that, not, you know, prior to your, like, let's say that someone is coming out of a previous dieting phase where they had lost their cycle and maybe they regain that cycle for maybe two to three consistent cycles. That's not really a time that you should just jump right into prep or back into a dieting phase because oftentimes it's just going to, uh, I, I don't think that the body's in a place where it's like, uh, okay, you know, this is a, a process that we're able to support. If you jump right back into the, the dieting phase, the likelihood that you sustain for that third or fourth cycle is very, very low. So give, give your body a chance to be at homeostasis and, um, not be so aggressive potentially. There's, there's just so many, like if then, then this type situation. Um, but yeah, just, just being kind to yourself, <laughs> you know, it's a big thing. All right. Going on is the order of exercises within a training day. How important is it? Um, pretty important or they wouldn't be in an order. <laughs> yeah. I, I think my, like my biggest response to that is like, if it wasn't, why would I, like, why would we put it in order? Yeah. Why would we spend our time putting things in order if we didn't think it was important? And matching things in a superset and all of that. Yeah. Like why would, why would anybody, any coach do that right. if it wasn't important? Yeah. Cause I mean, we have limited time as it is on a day-to-day perspective. If I could just throw exercises onto a word document and say just do these in the day at some point (laughs) that would obviously save me time and and a lot of thought process and a lot of money in terms of what we paid for for schooling and things like that (laughs) so within that it is very important um yeah and and i get sometimes where the gym is crazy and you have to maneuver some things around i think that on the front end of sessions it's very very important for those maybe two to four exercises that have been selected as as top priority to get those done and then some of that accessory type stuff you may be able to kind of finagle some things around depending on the training stimulus and things of that nature but really, really uh, how the front end of those training sessions for uh, us at least is, is going to be painfully important. Yeah. Some other coaches might not uh, might pay not, attention, you know. but uh, one short explanation as to why it does matter is you want to take into consideration what you're trying to train, looking at the secondary muscles and the stabilizer muscles. So for example, like I wouldn't have someone do a heavy barbell back squat at the end of a workout, even if every rack was taken until the end of the workout, because that puts them in a place where they have either exhausted the secondary or stabilizer muscles. They're going to be using other muscles to move the weight. They might've already exhausted the main muscle and that is risk for injury as well as you're not getting the output or training the musculature that is asked of you. So that's a short ad hoc way to tell you why it matters. Um, Then why don't you give your top five movements for glutes? Okay, this is one that I've I've spoken about on my Instagram uh, a time or two. Um, But in terms of my five favorite exercises, I would say um, the RDL is probably my one of my top five and we can, you know, use different variations of that. And I think that the variations are going to be dependent on the client more so than anything, but I'll say bent knee RDL is probably one of those, um, depending on how the individual squats. So comparatively, so you could do a glute focused leg press, or you could do a, uh, barbell back squat. Um, I would say that for majority of our clients, the leg press is going to be a better option for us, especially as the glutes are going to be something that we uh, emphasize with with a lot of these athletes. Thus, we want to be able to have a better frequency. And I, I would say that at times the back squat is going to limit our frequency 
relative to how limiting the leg press is going to be in terms of our frequency, I see a higher um, recovery rate from the leg press if done properly comparatively to the back squat from the systemic fatigue that they experience. Um, so one of those two is as you know one of the top five. Then you have the barbell hip thrust or glute bridge, however you want to label that and execute that specifically. Um, split squat variations. Uh, are probably, I mean, definitely one of my top. And then five is a, oh man, uh, it's hard to, to pick a fifth, I suppose. I would say the 45 degree hip extension. Am I missing anything? No, those are the ones. Yeah, I would say the 45 degree hip extension at that point, um, executed properly. You do those five exercises. I think that, um, you ha are, are building some pretty incredible glutes at that point, especially with all the different variations of those movements that you can implement. Um, you see some pretty awesome strides. Yeah. And with him saying that, that doesn't mean that if you want awesome glutes, you should only do those right. exercises all the time, every single day. That's not going to reap the benefits that you want. I can promise you that because you did not recover. But um, it is something of just saying ones that we use very often within programming. Yeah. Um, there's nothing really else. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Those are five faves. Yeah, those are the five ones. <laughs> Uh, someone asked, when is HIT the best idea? So one quick note about HIT is HIT is not just circuit work. Um, it's not something that you are like, if someone's like, come do this HIT circuit. And first, if it's longer than a minute, it's not a HIT circuit. And second, it's probably not a HIT circuit to begin with. But um, it's not just circuit work. You're only able to truly do HIT for like 10 to 60 seconds at a time. And then you need recovery space. And then going into that, it's something that you're not going to have an hour long hit workout either. You, you cannot sustain that. And Alex just rolled his eyes um, because people think that they can, but that is not true hit at all. Um, so hit can be a great option for adding an extra volume into your training. Um, we really like to do like sled pushes, cycling battle ropes. Um, and battle ropes are great if you are not wanting to cause excess inflammation in someone's legs or someone doesn't recover from some of those different ones. Um, but it's something that we personally don't love to do sprints unless we've seen someone's running stride, because that can be at risk for injury. Um, and then it's something that um, you can do at the sit like after your resistance training, but to really make sure that your resistance training is the main priority and not the hit, especially if you're going for um, just your your body as a whole looking better. Um, and so the goal of HIT is to create a maximal demand on your muscle tissue that surpasses what you can sustain metabolically. So if you're wanting a short duration output that creates a rapid depletion of glycogen and um, puts a high demand on your energy system. So the best idea time or the best idea to do hit depends on what your body can handle and recover from as well as what your overall goal and volume is. But hit is something that is a great, great tool to use. Um, and as far as when it's best, it, it really does just depend. But if Alex wants to give a more specific answer, he can. Yeah. I, I, in terms of utilization with clients, I've, I've limited my utilization of it quite a bit just because, um, intensity markers not being met and it's very specific clientele that can utilize it that understands the threshold that you're pushing towards this is not to be cute on instagram this should not be something that like 
oh my gosh, that's you look so good, girl, in your your hit video. Like, no, no, no. We we are pushing for maximal um, output, and we we are looking for how long can we sustain that maximal output without drop off. So I, that's why I like the cycle um, because we're able to see. Okay, this is my this is my max output. This is as hard as I can pedal with maximal resistance, and I'm and and you're going until you have that drop off. So for some individuals, that may be seven seconds. For some individuals, that may be twelve. And we're you know we would love to push to a fifteen second threshold. That's a pretty cardiovascular adapt or someone who's able to have really high turnover um, of that fatigue overall um, and see progress. So like a, a good a good kind of ratio is 12 to 15 seconds of output um, and then 45 to 60 seconds of rest and then go again uh, in terms of the amount of rounds that someone can go maybe seven to 10 at the most uh, is what I would would say. But I think that like sprints on the on the treadmill not happening Mm-mm. you're not there there's it is a set speed that is certainly not someone's top speed i i, I watch everybody's videos <laughs> i watch them they, 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 none of them are top speed unless you're on a treadmill that is going to dictate that the, the, there are those mm-hmm. uh, the, those oh, are gosh. hard to run <laughs> right they're hard to run on and you have to you have to be uh familiar with the the running pattern because you're, you're having to plant at a higher plat platform and kind of like you're, you're pulling the machine. So those type of treadmills, you can do it on. Mm-hmm. But a treadmill that you would just see at your normal gym where you're setting the speed, hell no. Like you are just running at that speed. You can't speed up. You can't slow down. It's just that speed. So how can we say that's maximal output or are there any drop off? It's impossible. But yeah. <laughs> that's my, yeah. I, I'm a very passionate person. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now that we have answered a good chunk of your all's questions, we're going to go into some fun questions. So. Let's do it. What is your favorite warm weather activity? Favorite warm weather activity? It well, right now is is tough because we've been so busy that like right now I would die for us to just like go to the park with the dogs. <laughs> like just to go and sit at the park with the dogs would be like ideal. I know that overarching is probably going to a baseball game of some sort or yeah. going to see like a, a sporting event or something of that nature. Um, what would you say? I would say like hiking. Hike, I, yeah, I would say hiking one. too. Yeah, um, but I mean, anyone who knows me knows I just like going for walks outside. Yeah. So as long as I'm able to get a good walk in, I'm very happy. But any activity I can do outside, if the weather's good, I'm all for it. Like yeah. if you tell me we're going to go to a market and it's inside versus outside, I don't want to go to the inside market. I want to go to the outside one. Yeah. With, with our busyness levels right now to go to a park and just lay in the grass and let the dogs <laughs> run around would be like the best ideal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What old person thing do you do? Um, struggle to stay up past midnight. <laughs> not even, well, not even midnight. I struggle for like 10. <laughs> yeah. I should say <laughs> midnight is being a little ambitious. <laughs> 10 yeah i would say i don't know if that counts but yeah um i would just say like i guess this is an old person thing like not leaving your house or like not wanting to do things yeah i mean that that is more of like our circumstance more than anything of just like we have what we we work at home we train at home that was two big things for us yeah work and training can you pull that down yeah Thank you. My glasses keep hitting my head. Goodness gracious. Um, Well, I guess another thing was we got really excited about luggage and we get excited about things like new Tupperware and shit. Yeah. That is for old people, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you were about to get into a fight, 
a fight. Okay. Let's say like, you know, about to box Logan Paul or something. <laughs> if you're about to get into a fight, what song comes on as your soundtrack? Shake your tail feather. <laughs> I was just giving you an option to expose the world to your favorite song. There, there's not a time that I'll ever hit a PR in the rest of my time ever lifting that I don't listen to that song. <laughs> I've done it for the last, I don't know, 10 years. It is ridiculous. So since, like you said, we do train at home, we have it in the garage. Um, when I'm up in my office, um, sometimes I can hear the music. And I mean, he can hear the music from his office sometimes as well. Um, but I'll start hearing him yell. And so I'll just hear like, come on, let's go. And then I'll start hearing that song on. And I know to either look at my phone um, for him asking me for a spot or that there's going to be some serious weight being moved. Yeah, um, Shake Your Tail Feather by Nelly, Murphy Lee, and Diddy. One of my favorite songs yeah, of all time. It's either that or some Screamo Yeah, for PRs. Um, yeah. There's that one Deep End song. Uh, I don't know what my soundtrack song would be if I was getting in a fight. I don't know. I never see she myself getting like in a fight. She listens to like the softest stuff when she's trained. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to turn on um, Taylor Swift today. That is okay. <laughs> I used to listen to slower songs. Sometimes I still do. They get me really motivated and emotional. That part kills me. That that puts me to sleep. Um, But I do listen to a lot of rap or like Russ when I train. Yeah. But anyways, um, what is something that most people learn only after it's too late? That you're in the good old days. (laughs) I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. For those that are not office fans, that's from Andy. <laughs> um, I don't common know. sense. Common sense, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that most people just don't realize how good they have it until it's no longer there. I think that many people, including ourselves, struggle to be present in the moment. So I would say that. Yeah, my honest answer would be like someone's, Like if you don't focus on your wellness, you'll be forced to focus on your illness. And that's something that so many people don't realize until they've lost their health. Um, And then it's not always too late, but it can be. And I would say that's something across the whole world that is definitely something people realize too late. Um, Which of your personality traits has been the most useful? I don't know. My humor, I suppose. The most useful? Useful? Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like this is a question for you to answer for me. Very bad at talking about myself. Well, I'm forcing you to right now. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't know though. A little bit of your stubbornness, I would say. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I think that my stubbornness or my extreme willingness to prove people wrong is something that uh, has definitely carried uh, me specifically uh, and, and the company and things of that nature. But um, yeah, I guess that would, my stubbornness and, and willingness, like I don't need a whole lot of like someone, I don't need to be like beaten on to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to prove this person wrong. Like all it has to be is a small statement <laughs> and I can like hold on to that one oh, phrase yes, you can. <laughs> and, and use that as fuel for many, many moons to come. Um, like for example, um, to give you a very short situation, uh, when I was, I don't know, 15, maybe mm-hmm. there was the, the, our freshman football coach. I was super little, 120 pounds. If you've heard other episodes, you've heard that. Sopping one. Yeah. I was maybe 120 pounds and they brought in, um, one of our, like he was a, an alumni 
And now knowing who he is, he has done a lot of steroids <laughs> and he is a very large human being, but he was also doing steroids in high school. So he was jacked. I mean, he was jacked at the time. And so the freshman football coach brought me up there and put me side by side with this guy who was probably 240 pounds <laughs> and he literally said, double his size. Yeah. And the freshman football coach was like, well, you know, he used to look like Alex and and everyone's laughing right and then um from there he's like well he used to look like alex and now he looks like this you guys can do this too alex may be able to do it but probably not and so that singular statement still to this day and i I've, i still see him uh, when we go to evansville from time to time because he trains at the gym my parents uh have a membership to uh, and it always just kind of makes me laugh because he's, I, you know, I've got some mean things to say, but <laughs> my mom has told me that if I don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. <laughs> but that statement at itself still sticks with me and it's enough of fuel sometimes. Oh, goodness. I don't know. As far as my personality traits, it's the most useful. Um, I would say your ability, like I don't, your, your niceness, your, your charismatic ability to empathize. Yeah. Like your ability to create relationships and sustain. And, um, would that be part of your, like your personality? I guess. Yeah. Like your ability to tell stories and converse and, um, just be present and care so much about a person in that moment. Like you can, we can be in, in crazy rooms and you can be so sucked into one single person and like all this craziness going on around you. But that person that you're talking to has all of your attention and it's abundantly clear in terms of like how you're conversing. I would say that that's something that's carried you a lot because you're very good at just relationships and fostering and, and maintaining relationships as a whole. Well, preach. I like that. Let's just make this episode about See, how good Sue is. Yeah. I, I wanted Sue to do that for me there. And then she was like, well, you know, you, you have to answer it. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> then I told you, and I said, I'm over here giving all the help in the world. And I she's said, like, Oh, you're so stubborn. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> he is stubborn, but it helps him because he's going to prove everyone wrong. It does. But I that said something sweet fuel. about you and well, you're that's, like, it's sweet. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, two more questions. Okay. What movie can you practically quote from start to finish? Movie? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't Dumb think I have a dumber. I, yeah. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> I could, I'd have to watch it. Like it's been so long since I've binge watched it so many times. <laughs> I'd have to watch it a few more times to like really figure it all out. I guess Dumb and Dumber, a lot of the Office episodes I can yeah. do from start to finish. Well, that, those aren't movies. Yes, I, I realize. <laughs> um, we're not much of movie people, I feel like. Yeah, I grew up being a huge movie person. So my dad is a movie person. Yeah. So I would say the movies I can quote from start to finish are pretty vast but the most recent ones that come to mind are the three christmas movies that we watch every year yeah. um and can quote those yeah you guys we'll, we'll say the movies oh. muppets christmas carol one of the best movies ever made <laughs> uh white christmas one of the other best movies ever made and uh it's a wonderful life which is one of the best movies ever made and if you say differently then you literally do not appreciate a so good movie. with this these are three movies that her family loves i mean to their core it means so much to all all <laughs> of them and they love it except maybe sam for some of them <laughs> yeah they don't like white christmas they are not it's a wonderful life. Yeah. They think it's sad, but you got to watch the whole thing. You don't fo- Phoebe Buffet and it. it. It's it's so much of something that like you had to be there when it started type situation because you could still be there right th- now. They're they're <laughs> oh, they're like as a first time watcher, 
decent. He fell movies. asleep during some of them. That's what I'm saying. Decent movies. Because the same person who can't stay awake past ten. But the same thing goes for Dumb and Dumber. Where Dumb and Dumber, I I now watching it, I'm like, it's really not a good movie as an adult. <laughs> but as like I laugh the whole time because as a kid, I remember watching it and like the memories from that. And I think that the same thing obviously applies yeah. for those movies. I will say that Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother was true about that fact. He called it, I think, the um. Wook, not the what were the bears in uh, Star Wars, the small ones. So they're Wookies or something. Um, but the whatever, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen Star Wars or How I Met Your Mother, um, the small bears, not the big one. Uh, <laughs> I watched Star Wars all growing up. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Um, but he was talking about if you're born before a certain time, you absolutely loved it because you grew up with it. But if you watch it after a certain time, then you don't understand what the fuss is about. And I feel like that's with most things in life, well, not most things, I would say movies and franchises specifically. So we also talk about it in regards to the Sandlot. If you didn't watch the Sandlot growing up, if you watch it now, everyone's like, the Sandlot is the best movie ever. And then if you're an adult who watched it, you're like, I mean, it was okay. okay. Um, It's the same thing with, I mean, the Christmas movie, sure, if you want to say that. Um, But it's also true in regards to like Star Wars, Harry Potter, and like those fandoms for sure. Yeah. So last one, if you had to write one new law that everyone had to obey, what law would you create? Hmm. I would say, oh my gosh, there's just so many things coming to mind here. <laughs> I knew this would be one you struggled with. Yeah. You'd be like, can I make a whole list of laws? Can I rewrite the constitution? <laughs> I would love to contribute to laws. I think that I have a lot to contribute <laughs> and a lot of things to say. Uh, and things that would benefit the world <laughs> as a whole. The same thing goes for the Packers front office. Oh, I think that yeah. I should be involved in what the front office has to do and the decisions they make. I think that if I was hired, I would be a huge addition for them. Um, so same, if anyone listening is in law um, and you know some people, yes, Alex would like to If I can be like involved with the government and also very, very uh, specific laws, that would be great. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I And I think that one thing to kind of like uh, get your brain turning a little bit with this type of question is that when people think of their own laws or how they want the world to be, it is very much so shaped by their overall experience. Um, so, you know, within within my experience, I've I've had freedoms that um, not everybody has had. Thus, I see as getting an opportunity to experience different things and have these different freedoms as a good thing because I was able to do that and I was able to make decisions for myself. And I know that not all personalities necessarily can do that. Thus, my idea of like this libertarian output or this libertarian lifestyle of like, do what you please, like let all things be be accessible and let people make their own decisions is good in theory, but I understand in practice would not be a good idea. Yeah, laissez-faire. Yeah, so that's that's like what the first thing that comes to mind is like, let all let all things be legal and let it be... <laughs> Let, um, you know, let those things be government regulated and let the government profit off of these different things that are already being used across the world type situation. But I also understand that that's kind of silly. Yeah. So what are your thoughts while I think of, you know, all the other ones I have? (laughs) I don't know. It's something that I feel like I too could write a lot of laws that would benefit society. Um, And the only things I'm like thinking of right now are like 
kind of mean. So <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to think on it a little bit. I, I think that if I was to make a new law, it would be something pertaining to healthcare and just getting people um, better care in general that truly need it and in a better system in place of like taking care of. And when we're talking about tens of millions of people. So I understand that this is such a hard task. And I think that people try to minimize it too much, but getting people uh, proper care at a more affordable cost as a whole without the expense of the American people themselves and talking about our country as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, you know, get the sense of like, well, the money's got to come from somewhere. And so then it's just, you know, I think it should come from big pharma, but that's just my own. <laughs> Well, then if we're going to talk about health and fitness and go off of that, then I did think of one um, that a law to require actual nutrition education to every single human. Yeah, I know that that is a huge undertaking and I know big pharma doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want it to happen, uh, but it is something that I'm extremely passionate about. I know that a lot of you guys listening are probably extremely passionate about, but I think it's complete and utter bullshit that I went through years and years of schooling and I didn't learn anything about nutrition until I picked a specialized course once I got to college. Yeah. Um, so I think that there should be some intervention there to some degree. Yeah. That's all. That's that all was we got a for little bit of uh, Sue and Alex at I the know. end there. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for asking questions. We're excited to keep doing this podcast and to keep growing within it. So just appreciate your all's support. And if you have any fun questions or for the rapid fire in general, we will probably also put a uh, form for you to submit them in the show notes as well. Awesome. You guys have a good day. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.